0: Hey everyone! This is Bitupan here. Welcome to the show. I hope you are doing great. Today's guest is an amazing person. He is an adventure cyclist and the author of two books. Let me give an introduction about him. Dhrup Bogra was born in 1968 in Shimla. His father was an officer in the Command Regiment of Indian Army. And he grew up in the structured life of cantonment. The turning point in his childhood came when he was sent to a college in Nainital for few years. The boarding school life ignited his love for the mountains and nature, which led him to become an adventure cyclist. He had cycled extensively in the Indian Himalayas and Western Ghats on his mountain bike. His love and passion for cycling did not stop till the Indian mountains. In 2016, he embarked an epic solo and unsupported cycling journey from Dead Horse in Alaska to Peru. That is from one end of North America all the way to South America. In doing so, he became the first Indian citizen to cycle solo and unsupported. The total distance he covered was 15,000 kilometers, and the trip lasted for 14 months, covering a total of 10 countries. Unbelievable. To give you an idea of how much is 15,000 kilometers, the distance between Srinagar, which is in Jammu, till Kanyakumari is 3622 kilometers. You can actually go up and down from Srinagar to Kanyakumari four times and still not complete 15,000 kilometers. On top of that, his journey was not on plain roads. He passed through mountains, jungles, and unknown terrains. He slept on highways. He spent nights in jungles and he had to go through difficult situations like bad weather, snow, rain, storm and sometimes encounter with wild animals, especially bears. This is the story of one man, not a teenager, a 48 years old man on a bicycle with a 40 kilos backpack cycling through unknown places in the largest continent on the planet all alone can you believe that after coming back from the trip he wrote his first book called Grit gravel and gear which is about the natural habitat on our planet the indigenous people and the culture of the americas and the extraordinary experiences that he had along his journey it comprises of a collection of 22 stories detailing his solo journey across this fascinating 15,000 km stretch of land on his bicycle. The book has detailed maps, illustrations, and beautiful pictures depicting the landscapes, the people, and American culture. And it has also numerous poems written by him while on the journey. He has spent the last 30 years working in leading multinationals and large corporates. He has held many senior leadership roles in the retail industry, in companies such as Titan Industries, Best Seller Retails, and Adidas. He is currently the country manager for the fashion brand Forever New in India. A person who has spent more than a year in the wild and nature has definitely a lot to share with us. I am excited to talk to him. Let's get started. So, Hello Mr. Dhruv. Welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hi, hi, Bhutupan. Thank you for having me on the show. Glad uh, to have so you. Very man. happy to be here. It's early morning. I just came back from a ride. Feeling yeah. very energetic.
0: All right. So, I directly let's jump into your uh, 15,000 kilometers ride. And mm. I want to know your. Uh, best experiences and your worst experiences. Let's start with the best experiences first and which place was it yeah. and what was the experiences? Can you share, it, yeah. share that with us? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so basically, my, my ride was from Dead uh, Alaska to Cusco in Peru. Hmm. And uh, this ride uh, obviously goes through 10 countries. It was solo and unsupported. Uh, and therefore, one of the toughest rides that um, any cyclist can take Mm. Especially because the first thousand fifteen hundred kilometers are on the Dalton Highway, mm. which is in the remote Arctic. It's considered one of the most uh, dangerous roads in the world. So, you know, when you ask me about which are my b- best and worst experiences, mm. um, I would really uh, classify it into two parts the best and the hardest. Okay. okay. Uh, I no don't worst think any worse experience. Mm. Yes. Because worse is always, uh, you know, something that you didn't like. But I loved every uh, bit of the journey. I loved the struggle. I loved the hardship. And And it was by your choice.
0: So it cannot be worse. It was by my
1: choice. So (laughs) a lot of people ask me, did you want to turn back? Mm. It's a long way. You are alone carrying 40 kilos of gear uh, and every day camping in the wild, eating out on your own, uh, you know, uh, meeting uh, animals on the way, wild animals also. So yes, my best experiences from that point of view were three, four countries. One was definitely Alaska, which is absolutely, the wilderness there is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. It, it's really, you know, you have to go there to believe it, how wild and how remote it is. Mm-hmm. Especially all of us, Bithuban, we live in a very populous country. Right. So we're not able to imagine that in, in a million square kilometers, there will only be 60 people, you know, or or, or 90,000, 100,000 people spread over a large province, which is uh, five times the size of Uttar Pradesh. So, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you look at it like that, it kind of rocks your mind uh, that there is so much of uh, untouched beauty in this world. So mm-hmm. that is the same experience I had with Canada also in the Yukon and the northern part of British Columbia, which is very wild. The southern part is populated by some cities. But the northern part of British Columbia in, uh, in Canada is very, very remote. And then of course, Mexico was a wonderful surprise, a lot of people talk very negatively about Mexico, but it's a very progressive country, we are on the same latitude, very similar kind of people in terms of art, culture, especially the indigenous people, and who have been settled there for the last 10,000 years, just very much like our tribal, uh, tribal culture, right? Uh, and then, of course, Peru, which was a country very, very close to my heart. If you read the book, uh, I have devoted many chapters to Peru. Mm. It's an incredible country tucked away in South America. Not many Indians know about it. Uh, we don't even study South American history in school and college. So uh, we really don't understand uh, that part of the world. But it's mm. a massive continent with a fascinating history and culture. So if you really look at it, my best experiences were in these countries because not only was I doing a lot of adventure riding, riding through deserts and mountains. I was also going into the smaller towns and cities and going to museums and art galleries and soaking in the culture and the archaeology uh, and all that as well. So I'm recording it for my mm-hmm. book. The first thousand kilometers straight from Delhi to dead horse. You know, at the end of the that, uh, I have a corporate life. I'm not a man who lives in the wild. I'm not a man who's an outdoor adventurer full time in his life. Mm-hmm. I have a corporate life or run a company. Uh, I work for a company, so I have a 9-to-9 nine nine job or a 9-to-8 job, whatever you want to call it. So mm. I have my pressures as well. So to give up everything and go on this adventure and land up in the in a part of the world I've never been to before with a bicycle and 40 kilos of gear uh, was very hard. Uh, the first 10 days was the hardest. Uh, mm. You know, climbing hills uh, alone. There is no mobile service. There's no food on the way. You drink from the streams. You cook your own food. You have know, to watch out for bears. You have to watch out for wolves. So these are things that you came you across know, bears have... also, right? Yes, yes, many mm-hmm. bears. You know, nine or ten bears. So uh, how you have to teach yourself how will you how will you survive a bear attack if, if mm-hmm. you're alone? And you're generally alone. And a bear can attack you out of nowhere. You can be camping mm-hmm. and you're eating, and the bear can come out of the bush mm-hmm. and come. You know, uh, looking for food. So bears are generally not aggressive animals, but they come hunting for food. They can smell food one kilometer away. Uh, and um, they are not man-eaters as such, but they can, they can, they can really kill you or they can, uh, they can attack you for the food you're eating. Or mm. if you're in the harm's way or if you're between the cubs, if, especially a mother will attack without provocation if she thinks that you're a, you a threat to her cubs. Mm. So, that, so when you see a mother with cubs, you run a mile. I mean, you just freeze. You don't move towards them at all. Because the mother can behave very unpredictably. So yes, these are the, some of the harder experiences.
0: So why did you decide to go alone? I mean, did you not find any partner or somebody else to go with you? Or was it your own decision to purposely go alone?
1: I've always was a solo rider hmm. uh, from the time I started cycling in 2011 and twelve.
0: Hmm.
1: At the same time, I did generally make some attempts to find someone to travel with. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be good to have another companion, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, even if it's, for example, for a part of the journey, however, you know, in long distance cycling, spanning over many months or maybe two years, it is very difficult to find a partner unless you're married and that person also enjoys your love for cycling. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to find a friend who'll give up his job also along with you and go cycling for two years. Mm. Somebody, a lot of people told me, right, I'll join you in Colombia, I'll join you in California. Nobody came <laughs> from India, right? Uh. And I stopped depending on it. And um, there was one person that I tied up with, he was an American. And he, we both said, Yeah, I mean, we met on the internet, he was a very established rider. But unfortunately, because he was so established, because he had done Siberia and Africa in his life, he was a hardened guy. This was my first tour. So Actually, on the Dalton Highway, we, we started off together on day one. And then I lost track of him. He was so fast. Oh. You know? And, and he obviously didn't want to wait for, uh, for me because it was slowing him down. So, we met again three, four days later at a place called Cold Food Camp. But then I never met him again because uh, he was cycling too fast. His speed was different. So, it's when you're cycling, uh, whether you are running, you have to find someone who's matched to your physical powers and your athletic ability. Hmm. otherwise what happens is there's a mismatch you know you tend to slow each other down if one is more experienced than the other or more powerful than the other I met another guy a German guy okay. and he said uh, okay I want to go from there to Ushuaia which is the, where I wanted to go in Argentina but I want to do it in uh, 100 days I said then I mean 100 days means that you are cycling like almost 200 kilometers a day and he was a young boy you know, 20, 21 very strong and you no. Know, German athlete, you know, that kind of a thing. But his idea of the journey was very different. He just wanted to do it like for a record. Hmm. My journey was different. I was going on a quest. I wanted to explore the world. I wanted to take pictures. I wanted to go to different parts of different societies. And, you know, really, it was more sociological, adventure, historical, everything combined together.
0: Your family must also have been family members who have been really worried about you, right? Because, You call yeah, them my after parents were very
1: worried yeah <laughs> you just I'm just imagining I, I how that... would
0: happen when you call them after a week and how is it going you tell them yeah nothing much just about was about to get attacked by a bear but everything is going fine yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. how would how would they react yes well uh, I, I would say uh, my parents were very
1: very tough about the whole thing okay uh, and I think uh, they, they they sort of took it very. Um, very well very bravely I would say because mm. um, and firstly I think it's also their confidence and faith in me and belief that they let me go also in a sense without without resorting to too much of pressure don't go initially they were against the whole trip my mm. family my relatives everybody was against it mm. but when they saw that I am really really keen to do it and obviously I was 48 then so how do you stop a 48 year old guy from doing what he wants to do mm. you know especially when he's independent totally you know um, you, you can stop your 18-year-old from going, you know. Mothers will emotionally blackmail, maybe. But uh, you can't stop a 48-year-old guy from doing what he has to do. So you accept it.
0: How was your health so, during the whole journey? Did you have any health issue in between? I had uh, no health issues
1: till I crossed over to Mexico. Okay. Uh, in Mexico, I think because of the change in weather mm-hmm. uh, from the U.S. West Coast to uh, slightly warmer, though it was January and it was... Uh, very nippy. It was 18 degrees during the day uh, and maybe about 12-13 uh, degrees in the night. Not very cold. But the change in temperature and the desert wind, uh, I got bronchitis. <clears throat> then I got uh, typhoid later on. After 3-4,000 kilometers, I got uh, typhoid in Mexico. But once I recovered fully, I rested properly for about a week or 10 days. Once I recovered fully towards the end in Mexico, I never felt sick again after that. Okay. Uh, whether it was Central America or Peru, my health was absolutely fine. Uh, I was quite strong. Uh, and it has to happen. I mean, in, in, in 14, 15 months, if you fall sick once or twice, it's normal. I'm surprised that I got so wet in the rain in America all the time. Mm. And, I, I, and I was so cold and I was eating from the road in uh, in Canada and Alaska, but I never had a single day where I was, my stomach was out my throat was bad, nothing, it was perfect, it was just beautiful health. Whereas in the city, you're always falling sick, uh, I mean, every four months, you have some sore throat and you have to take antibiotics. But here I was cycling 50, 60, 70, 100 kilometers a day, eating Mm. not enough food and exerting myself so much every day and sleeping on the roadside in a tent. Mm. Nothing happened. And that taught me one thing, which is, you know, people who live in the villages, people have a hard life. They hardly fall sick. Why? Because their life is so balanced, and they're close to nature all the time. Most of exactly. the time, whether right. they're working in the fields or
0: they're working in the in the you know
1: tea gardens or whatever. So, uh, I worked in the tea gardens for two years, by the way. Yeah,
0: was, you uh, work in Assam, I guess. Uh, I read one of your days. yes,
1: I work. I belong in to India. Assam, actually. Job. Oh yeah, that's why I told you. Uh-huh. So I worked so, in um, where in Assam? I worked in near Sibsagar near Namrup.
0: I'm uh, from Sibsagar, I
1: Borhat. Okay, so <laughs> I was in Borhat,
0: <laughs> Bor- okay. which is
1: in Sibsagar district actually. Uh-huh, right. So my first job was there. I, I was uh, managing a tea garden. I was assistant manager at that time, way back uh-huh. in '89.
0: Okay, so did you live in the, inside the town or uh, in, in? No, or- no, I
1: lived in the tea garden.
0: Okay, okay. I lived
1: in Borhat. Which was uh, 30 kilometers from Namrup, I think.
0: <laughs>
1: and then from there I moved to Diflu which is near Numaldigarh, just <laughs> opposite Kaziranga. So when I was working in Assam, <laughs> I had a motorcycle and I used to go with another colleague of mine. We have motorcycle uh, up to Karbilong, to Dibrugarh, <laughs> to Tinsukia. Uh, you name the place, uh, <laughs> we've been there. And I think <laughs> those early days, I was just 21, 22 there, riding in the dark, nice. you know, uh, with, with all sorts of problems going on in those days as you're aware mm. um, we were fearless I mean we went into forests and jungles and nobody ever troubled us okay mm. uh, uh, nobody ever sort of waylaid us people say well, elephants will come or you know there used to be robberies on the highway people would drop trees and stop you and rob you and go away right. those things used to happen in those days mm. it never happened to me so that way I was fortunate I think and one of the lessons I learned on this journey with Upan is that if if you start fearing everything in life, you will attract that event into your life. Very true. Okay, so if you fear, you will attract it. So don't don't fear it. Remain positive and it will not happen to you. So everyone said you'll get robbed in Mexico. you get shot. There are gangsters. There are drug wars. And yes, they do happen. But not once did I ever have a single bad experience cycling 4,000 kilometers in Mexico's roads. Mm. And the same thing happened in Assam. I mean... Um, there was a lot of insurgency going on in those days and we were mm-hmm. in the tea garden. We were people used to say, Oh, you know, they'll come and all
0: that. Nothing ever happened. I just want to so, add yeah, that other- you told about attracting fear. That's actually yes. an universal rule. I mean, emotions are what? Emotions are energy in motion. Yes. So whatever yes. energy whatever emotion we generate most of the time, we attract those emotions. If we keep on thinking in fear all the time, if we see the news and just think that everything is negative all around, obviously we'll attract that situation,
1: right? Yes, yes. Uh. So I also minimized, I stopped watching the news while I was on the journey. Uh. Very less. I watched very less news. Hmm. I think the only news I followed was Trump getting elected to becoming Uh. president while I was in the US. (laughs) Because I was in the US that time, That the Uh. morning he was elected. Uh. Okay. So, yes. People were super depressed around me, <laughs> but uh, I couldn't escape that news. But I, I stayed away from the news for almost one and a half years. So, like I said, you attract what you uh, what you think exactly. and uh, what you believe.
0: So, tell me about your book. Uh, what readers can find in your book, and what can they learn from your book? Well,
1: uh, I'll show the book to yeah, your readers. So that's uh, Grid, Gravel, and Gear. Hmm. It's a 387-page book. The book chronicles my journey, not day by day, but I've taken 20, 22 segments from the journey from across 10 countries and told stories of, uh, like you said, the best and the hardest moments and the great experiences that I had, Mm -hmm. the people that I met, the animals, the culture, the indigenous tribes, uh, and the cycling journey itself. So it's not just a cycling book. It's an adventure book. It's about exploring new worlds, seeing with new eyes. Mm. Uh, I talk a lot about uh, cultures. I talk about myths and beliefs. I did a lot of research, uh, whether it was the Maya people, the Aztec people, the Inca people, um, and also about towns, little unknown towns that are so amazing. for example, the town of tequila in Mexico okay. has the world 's oldest functioning distillery, you know, and uh, we heard about the drink tequila, but we uh, I doubt if anyone even knew there's a town called tequila in Mexico which makes tequila. Oh. You know, and and that is the origin of the Okay. So, you know, things like that, very interesting things or uh, the Maya or Tikal, the capital of the Maya empire in Guatemala. So the book is full of interesting information, experiences, conversations with people, art and culture. Uh, it's full of pictures, a lot of black and white pictures, a lot of color pictures, maps. So the maps are there and I wrote a lot of poems on the way. So those poems are also there. Hmm. So if anyone loves poems, they can pick up the book and their poems about love about loneliness, about the hard life on the road, the beauty of the land, so to speak, it aims to interest and entertain, right? You know, the idea is to make it entertaining. I always kept the reader in mind, Hmm. especially in India. So if I had written this book, if I was a European, my my style would have been very different. Hmm. But for an Indian reader, I have actually explained a few things. Uh, which other people in other countries who cycle a lot or do these kind of things would know naturally.
0: I, and this is my last question. I just want you to give a message to the viewers. For somebody who uh, lives in cities and who is not really connected to the nature, uh, see the, what you did may not be possible for everybody for various reasons, maybe of course, of course the of health course, may not yeah or let's say let's say it's for females, okay, for ladies, it may not be even possible to actually cycle for a long journey with, with forty kilos on their back. it may not be possible but still yes yes of course by so. living by living in the city, how can people still connect to the nature? what best they can do?
1: Okay, I think, uh, and this is a very good question, Beethoven. because uh, when I talk about the book and I talk about the journey, a lot of people think, oh, I can't do this, mm-hmm. you know, I, that's not the idea. I also didn't start like that. I think the most important thing is not to think about physical poweress, but to be close to nature, right. you know, uh, we are going through a very interesting time in our history of the world. Um, the roads are quieter there is a lockdown going on don't mm-hmm. fear the lockdown just mm-hmm. step out in the morning and hear the birds in the park uh, try and find out if within your state there is a nice sanctuary you can go to like a day trip or maybe half two hours away drive to the sanctuary early in the morning either yourself or with your wife or your girlfriend or your children whoever, or you can go alone and spend time just listening to the birds and just walk Walk for five kilometers, walk for three kilometers and set, you know, a daily routine or a weekly routine for yourself, but I'll make it a point to go to these sanctuaries. Exactly. The sounds of nature heals you, it bonds families, it bonds you with yourself uh, and also makes you a kinder, gentler, more compassionate person. So right. I think this is what we need in life, whether we, the society we live in, which is so torn apart by divisions of all types. Uh, nature heals you right? and gives you a perspective a perspective that we are all part of the same earth we are same part of the. I used to go around hugging trees you know in Alaska and Canada because mm, there were nice. thousand year old trees Wow! and they gave me energy right ah. uh, and same way I mean when did we last hug a tree which is really beautiful mm. so I think we need to understand we are made of the same dust the trees our, our cellular structure and we will always be in harmony with it if you allow it, if you allow it to come to a life.
0: very nice. Okay. That's very important. True. All right, fine, sir. So it was great talking to you. Thank you so much for your wisdom, Thank you. and also we learned a lot from your experiences.
1: And with I wrote a second book called Away, Away, yeah, uh, which is available, uh, hmm. which is available as an ebook. That's about my adventures in the Himalayas. Uh, so I hope people, maybe some people, can take inspiration from that. That it is possible to get away for four to six days, hmm. and still. Keep your job and be happy. So, uh, all the best to you and your show in the future. And to you personally. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.